Welcome. I'm Lauren Rosen, licensed marriage and family therapist. And I'm Kelly Frankie, licensed marriage and family therapist. And this is Purely OCD. Kelly and I are OCD specialists who happen to also be in recovery from OCD ourselves. Each week we meet to talk about all things OCD, one topic at a time. You may notice we try to bring a little levity and humor to our discussion around this deeply painful disorder, as this has been a very powerful tool for our own recovery as well as our clients. We tend to cover obsessions, compulsions, and exposures. There's also a Q&A at the end. If you would like, you can join us in the future. We meet on Mondays at 1230 Pacific time on Instagram Live. And if you do find this podcast helpful, please leave us a review so we can gain more visibility to reach more people like yourself and help spread awareness of what it's like to live with OCD. Quick reminder, this is not intended as therapy or as a replacement for therapy. This is for educational purposes only. So without further ado, here is this week's episode. Welcome, everybody. And uh, this weekend, we are going to be presenting twice at OCD SoCal. Um, And OCD SoCal is an IOCDF affiliate here in uh, Southern California, not surprisingly. And so they have a conference annually, and uh, and we're going to be talking about, we're doing a talk on mental compulsions, and we're also doing a talk on using humor in recovery, in, in treatment, because, you know, that's sometimes our jam. So, uh, so that's what we're going to be talking about. If you're interested in learning more, um, I, I know I posted all my stories. I'll post again on my stories. How about that? Um, or you can check out OCD SoCal's page too. Yeah, all that. All that. Yeah. So today we are talking about contamination concerns related to substances. And this, this can come up and has, we've talked about it in past episodes with chemicals and so in, in terms of people get worried about contamination with household sprays or uh, with pesticides, but in ter- the substances that we're really focused on, I think, today are the ones that actually, going way back, I, I got to treatment uh, actually because of my obsessions related to substances and substance contamination. So essentially we're talking about illicit substances and or alcohol and or yeah, anything that can affect you from the neck up essentially. And <laughs> um, so that's that's what we're here to talk about today. And I'm, I know I'm not the only one who's experienced this. In fact, uh, I've talked to uh, it talked live about it with Ali from Hardcork, who also had this predominantly. So, uh, for different reasons, but I think it can tie into a lot of themes. Uh, it happened to latch on for me because I'm sober, but that is not, I, it could latch on for anything. Like I was thinking this morning, people might have obsessions around, their drink getting spiked with something and then behaving inappropriately or like 
being harmful, to, like, like uh, taking action to harm someone or developing psychosis or what have you. Right. So. Right. And, um, like Lauren had said is she's not the only one I've treated this obsession twice. Maybe that's not a lot, but I've seen it present twice. And that's the primary obsession where person is scared of relapse and, I had said earlier before I, the audio wasn't working and I had to shut down and restart, but that a lot of the questions we got are what is substance contamination? And like Lauren said, it can run the gamut. And a lot of people also asked about washing food down because of COVID stuff before eating it. So the chemical aspect of this as well versus straight contamination versus what if I get COVID versus the illicit stuff? It's, yeah. it's kind of all the same, but I yeah. think for sake of this talk, we're going to focus on the substance. So if somebody has a worry of like, what if I relapse and they're brushing their teeth or they're using mouthwash, mouthwash. like, oh, what if, well, and I've seen it do with to toothpaste too, even though there's nothing in it, it's that's it doesn't matter. OCD doesn't care at all about logic. It can have read zero percent alcohol. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I've seen it presented in a lot of ways. Yeah, it's actually really funny. I, I like I laugh because yesterday I purchased some mouthwash and I don't like I haven't uh, purchased it in a while, but it it reminds me of exposures around this. And uh, to your point, it could be anything that might be near alcohol. And I know for me, actually, and I'm, I know I'm speaking a lot about my own personal experience here, but it, it seems pretty relevant today that uh, it was even things that might have come into close contact with alcohol. So if I'm at a gathering with people, we're eating chips, somebody passes a drink over the chips. And my thought is, oh my gosh, what, what if the chips now have alcohol on them? Right. So, yeah. Sorry, go ahead. No, I was just going to say the mind is endlessly creative. It is. And actually, uh, one time when we were hanging out in a gathering mm. a long, long time ago, um, there was alcohol involved. I was not drinking. Um, and obviously, Lauren wasn't. <laughs> but we were all ordering drinks, a bunch of us. And we were getting non-alcoholic beverages. And I remember thinking, oh my gosh, what if I hand Lauren a drink that somehow has like trace amounts of alcohol or the wrong drink? Cause I was giving out like four different drinks Yeah, and I've caused her to relapse on OCD. Man, I know. or, or just general relapse. This is the thing. I, did, I like... didn't even care about that though. Oh, like, that's good. It was more about like. <laughs> harming you mentally, I think in some, yeah. I mean, I guess they're both, but that's just what my brain shows in that moment. Of course. Like I'm going to, I'm going to trigger the hell out of Lauren. This is, um, I, I don't, I can't let that happen, which of course you can, and right. you have, and, and, and it, that night I, I don't think I, I drank. So that's good. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, so yeah, and we're certainly happy to take questions about this. I know I don't know if any of the questions that that came through earlier were uh, 
we're specific to how this can show up and how to navigate it, but. Yeah. Do you want to, would you like to go through some basic like common compulsions around it? Let's do it. Yeah. So I guess, I mean, starting with the discussion of specifically people in recovery who have this, it's, I don't think it's specific to people in recovery. Like I said, I think people could have concerns related to contamination with substances that have nothing to do with sobriety um, and everything to do with, you know, losing one's mind or um, losing control. I've seen that one come up for sure. Um, but in the case of recovery, a lot of the times is there, there's this sort of rigidity around what it means to be sober. And so, oh my gosh, if I took a sip or if I ate something that had some uh, alcohol on it or in it, then I would relapse and that would be horrible, right? Which makes so much sense in the context of people who come into recovery have gone through usually a pretty harrowing journey with alcohol or drugs. So, they typically the thoughts that come up are what if I relapse? Uh, what if my, you know, my life becomes completely unmanageable again? And, or like, what if I'm lying to people, right? This is where moral scrupulosity can come into play. Um, so in terms of the compulsivity, I mean, do you have any additions, I guess, from the, just from the obsession standpoint? Um, yeah. So I I do think that it's important to nod our, our head in the direction of the fact that it doesn't have to be recovery based. Totally. Um, A lot of people have this fear of like the losing control stuff. Like I can't, I don't feel lucid enough. So what if I do something and I've lost control and I don't remember, or even, you know, what if I drink and then I feel more anxious when I wake up Mm. and anxiety is bad, I can't have anxiety. Or, you know, what if I have marijuana, I take a hit and then I lost touch with reality entirely. Um, and this can dovetail into concerns about uh, derealization, depersonalization too. If you're if if you're having existential OCD or you're you're like, oh my gosh, what is it? What does it mean that I'm having that feeling? You might try to avoid that feeling, and you may. And, and I'm not saying that you have to then go smoke marijuana to get that right, no, experience, yeah. but if that's something that you enjoy from time to time that you're now avoiding because of the potential for feeling that, you know, that's, that's an interesting thing to look at. Right. Or even just, you know, people fear like, what if I walk by like, or go to a concert where there might, right. I mean, surefire, there's going to be uh, some weed being smoked at a concert. For sure. So yeah. Um, yeah. What else? No, that's a good point. Like, cause I went off on a random tangent about the, the use of it in general, but I think for people who are just afraid that it's going to show up in their like candy on Halloween, right? Yes. Like that, that's and it, I, like, yeah, right. Right. Razor ba- blades <laughs> and, and weed, a Halloween story. 
Uh, <laughs> Happy oh Halloween. Yeah. Yeah. So um, no, that's all good, good, really good points. And I really do think that this can bring about concerns like it kind of related to the derealization stuff around what if I, um, like, what if I lose my mind? What if I go insane? What if, what if I relapse from OCD, like recovery? Yeah. Yeah, totally. What if I relapse from OCD recovery is a good one. So anything else that you can think of? I think that's all I can think of. I'm sure there's a million others. Um, yeah. So what about but, compulsions? Yeah. So compulsions, what? avoidance, avoidance of going to concerts, avoidance of using mouthwash, avoidance of just general use of alcohol. Um, yeah. Like of, even ethyl alcohol, right? Like, uh, yeah. Oh yeah. No, rubbing, rubbing alcohol. alcohol. Yep. Mm-hmm. Cause it could absorb into the skin, even though that's not, um, avoidance of just using anything that another person had used that was mm. really so trying to think of an example oh like if you had used the same sink as this person who had drank the night before to brush their teeth that fear of like oh it could splash back into my mouth mm-hmm. um Yeah. Asking for insurance. For sure. I was going to say in terms of other avoidances, like it may be as simple as something like I mentioned earlier, like avoiding chips at a party because you saw a drink passed over the chips, right? Like it could be literally anything. Yeah. Yep. Anything. And you might not know because obviously like it's hard to see sometimes the absence of, of a behavior. Um, so, but reassurance seeking was one of my absolute favorites. In fact, like nobody in my family can hear about the word tiramisu without like dying. Like, oh my God, <laughs> because they heard me ask so many times whether or not I'd relapsed on tiramisu. Um, so, but yeah. And, and I think that that comes up for a lot of people, like whether that's, am I, do I seem lucid right now? Am I acting weird? Right. Like, uh, am I off or yeah. What were you going to say? Or just looking at yourself in the mirror. I think if we're talking Mm -hmm. about like association stuff and that triggering feeling in general, I used to like stare at myself in the mirror and be like, do I look like me? Mm. Am I really here? Or am I just kind of feeling yeah yeah lucid or am I not or am I not am I gone and yeah am I gone gone. uh but yeah no the the sort of checking right the uh, the emotional temperature checking like am Mm -hmm. I or my reality testing sort of right yeah right like retracing your memories too like what are the steps I did last night when I had a sip of alcohol like did I talk to this person Mm -hmm. were my hands appropriately placed um 
you might call and ask people if you offended anybody because you were scared that maybe you said something you didn't really want to say, but it all came out when you were drinking. Well, and even sort of back to the potential for contamination, like what, what did I, what I just said to somebody, right? Was that appropriate or am I, uh, did maybe I inhaled that, that marijuana smoke and now I'm, I'm completely out of control and that was the worst thing to say to them and I've totally hurt them, what have you. Right. Yeah. So a lot of rumination, I guess, in this uh, subtype as well. It's probably worth, yeah, yeah. lots, <laughs> so much. Sorry, I have to let the cat out. That's okay. So I, I think a lot of trying to figure out whether or not something is safe, trying to figure out whether or not historically something was contaminated and you did something or said something or, or were away or, you know, what have you. Yeah. So do you feel comfortable going into uh, typical exposures? Yeah. Yeah. The what, first one that came to mind was a contamination towel, which I know is like your favorite thing. Yeah. If I can convince somebody to do it, it's like <laughs> super effective. Yeah. Right. Yep. Um, it might be skipping. I had a claim where it was like, you know, just compulsively going to AA meetings um, for fear of relapse. So it would be maybe not doing it three times a day when you've been sober for 15 years mm. and you have no intense urge of doing it. But the fear is, well, what if I do have an urge. Right. Gotta make sure that I preempt. Yeah. And we also have to be in keeping with that person's values and their sobriety, of course. So it's a fine line, but figuring out as a team what's compulsive and what's not. Yeah, what's excessive. Right. Where's the line? Um the other one would be using that sink that the person last night used to brush their teeth in to brush your teeth. Yeah. Uh, taking the risk that maybe you'll get a little backsplash. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Never know what's in that backsplash, man. It's dangerous stuff. Yeah. Yeah. So, and I, I think some of it is being willing to not, so we talk a lot about tracing and mm-hmm. other forms of contamination. And I think the tendency in this form too exists mm-hmm. to want to track other people and make sure that, okay, well, this food is safe. This food is not safe, or this drink is safe. I didn't watch that drink being made. So is that safe? Um, or, you know, what if they put something in my drink or, you know, and which Granted, there are, of course, circumstances in which we want to be thoughtful about that because, you know, there are people out there. But I think if you're in a party setting with some close friends and that thought pops into your mind, we want to, you know, we don't necessarily want to respond to that. And so anyway, my point, going back to exposures, though, is making the choice to 
to drop. It's more the response prevention side of things, but to to drop the the tracking and to say like, I don't know, maybe somebody just poured alcohol into that bowl of chips. Unknown. Better, better eat the whole bowl. <laughs> <laughs> really, really get drunk on those chips. Yeah. 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 So what were you going to say? I don't know. I'm so distracted. Um, but what was I going to say? Oh, I was going to say mental rumination. I think something that, because Lauren and I are doing a presentation with a few other folks, but this was Lauren's. She's the, the leader of PACT on the mental compulsion uh, presentation. Is like when we were reviewing it last night, I'm thinking, man, I just really feel like we need to spend a whole podcast or two on mental rumination because in all of OCD, it's such a huge component and we're just, we just don't talk about it enough. We just don't. Yeah. And I think it's really disappointing for people in a certain respect when they come to treatment and they're like, I'm you, I heard that you're going to give me a bunch of active exposures to do mm. around X, whatever the obsession is. And, you know, for some people that might be true, but for some people, it's a lot about accepting that this is a really uncomfortable feeling and choosing not to ruminate. And that's the exposure. Yeah. Yeah. That's such a good point. It's really, it's, it's tough because people are so gung ho, which is funny because then you introduce them to exposures and they generally are not as gung ho. Yeah, I know. I know. It can't win. No, but I think that a lot of that is down to thinking that exposures are going to resolve something as opposed to looking at exposures as this opportunity for practice and response prevention. So you're totally right. I'm very much game to do, uh, several episodes specifically about rumination. Um, and yeah, it's such a, thank you for bringing it up. Yeah, of course. So yeah. questions or is yes. there, there more? Um, I mean, I'm sure that there's, there are always more, <laughs> um, right. but yeah, I mean, I think we covered a lot of the common ways, the checking, the the avoiding reassurance, rumination, all those good things, not so good things as it were. Okay, so this is a good one. The person asks, uh, can this also encompass a fear of becoming addicted to a substance, for example, alcohol? Yes. Mm, yeah. I yeah. forgot about this one. Yeah. It is such a good question. And yeah. there are certainly people who are terrified of, of becoming, and this is where trauma can also seep into, like if you're the child of an alcoholic or uh, you have a loved one or a friend who died of substance use, right? Like that's, it can be one of those things where there's a lot of anxiety relate, related. And I'm not saying that that's necessarily OCD, but if you have OCD and it happens to latch onto this, it can be the whole smorgasbord of, of anxiety coming at yeah. you. Wow. You nailed it. That's it. Um, usually if I consume any substance, I'm like, Lauren, so I did this. 
I got, I got drunk. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know happens. if I drunk, oh, but. I'm sorry. I got like, buzzed. Oh, if, I had a, if I had a drink or I'm going to yes. take a medication that was prescribed to me for panic attacks and yeah. I'm taking it, you know, four times a year and I have to share that. Yeah. Except um, for, except for you don't, but, but. Right. Oftentimes like just. Yeah. I'll call myself out on it though. Be like, yeah. I noticed this is happening. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's definitely there. It, it can be around anything too. It doesn't have to be something that's like very tangible and like it could be totally random because OC again doesn't care about rationale. It could be like, what if I become addicted to heroin and yet heroin's not at all in your life and it's nobody in your family has ever used heroin or opioids of any sort. So it can also be wildly random. Totally. It doesn't have to have any sort of relationship to your history, but obviously but it definitely can, can. Yeah. And when it does, it, you know, it's fun and explosive. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, the, yeah, the element of, uh, like fear around whether or not you're going to become those things. I kind of see it presenting in two ways. One is people who rarely, if ever use, um, substances and, uh, who quite clearly seem to, to be at the opposite end of the spectrum really aren't having any problems or, you know, people who have a, like a tenuous relationship with alcohol who have OCD, which by the way, that's a lot of people, of, of people with OCD, a number, uh, well, of course a number, but the, you know, depending on the study that you look at, some say 27%, some say 36%, like some say 17 to 25%. So there's, there's a broad range, but, but there are a lot of people who have both. And so Sometimes I see people who are maybe, and this is not to be triggering to the other faction of people, but I, I think that it's important to acknowledge that some people are worried, what if I become an alcoholic or what if I am an alcoholic and I don't know? And that's, it's funny because the, answering that question, it, it, it's almost a, it's a red herring. It takes away from, well, if you're having a problematic relationship with alcohol, doesn't matter whether or not you're going to call yourself an alcoholic. It's probably more relevant as to like, okay, well, do I want to keep engaging in this behavior or not? Uh, and why, like, is it serving my values and my goals or not? Right. Got it. Does that make sense? Yes, it does. Yeah. So there's no other um, specific questions. No. Okay. Well, um, I did see one thing coming through earlier. Let's see if I can find it. Oh, somebody was saying is, is ERP essentially like making the choice not to confess, confess. You saw the same one. Yeah. And I, I think what, what part of it, but so, yeah, so I think actually that's the response prevention part of it is saying, so, um, 
doing something would be the exposure, whatever it is that you would typically confess. And then the response prevention would be refraining from the confessing after the point or after the fact rather. Yeah. Right. And the active exposure is going and getting it. And, you know, for folks where the substance is something that we don't necessarily want to actively engage them in doing, Mm -hmm. um, it might be writing this imaginal around it. That is such a good point. I'm glad you brought that up. I actually recently found some imaginals from way, way back in the day (laughs) that were related to that. And, and in some instances, yeah, like if you have a substance use disorder where nobody's no therapist is going to be like, you know what you should do for exposure, you should drink. That's a bad call. And if that, yeah, I wouldn't, I wouldn't keep going to see that therapist if if they existed. I don't think they would, but so, yeah. 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 If, if, if there's a substance use disorder, if there's an active substance use disorder or you're so sober, the exposure, if you're worried about going into exposure therapy, the exposure isn't going to be to drink and it's not going to be to act in a way that's totally inconsistent with what you believe is right. Um, it's mainly right. about trying to help you get your life back so that if you are you know, spending long periods of time ruminating, well, we probably want to start doing imaginal exposure so that you can learn to be in the presence of worry thoughts without responding by trying to figure it all out and getting lost in that indefinitely. Yeah, that's it. Well, thank you for this as always, friend. Maybe next time we do a mental rumination. What do you think? Yeah. Part question mark. We don't know. Part one of who knows. Yes, let's do that. And hopefully by next week, I will have my audio figured out and hopefully it translates okay in our podcast because I don't have audio. That is okay. Okay. We're just doing the the best that we can and I'm sure it will be terrific. Okay. All right. (laughs) Take care all. (laughs) Also, again, reminder about the conference this weekend, and it would be great to have you all there. So we'll see you next week. Beautiful. Have a good week. Okay, you too. Bye-bye. Bye. Thanks for joining us. Just as a reminder, this podcast is not therapy, nor is it intended as a replacement for therapy. If you need further support, we encourage you to seek treatment with a registered professional who specializes in OCD. If you have a moment, we'd love to hear what you think. Feel free to leave us any feedback by reviewing us on your podcast app of choice. You can find past episodes on our website at purelyocd.com. Remember, this podcast is for you, so please let us know what you would like to hear. We want to make our message as helpful as it can be. We hope you will join us in the future as we continue our discussion on all things OCD.